Welcome to the Financial Heartbeat Podcast with Mike Klauke. In this podcast, we talk about overcoming the challenges families and business owners face in their financial lives. We discuss big and small life events, the implications, and how to plan ahead and control what you can. Let us help you redefine the retirement that's in front of you into a better one. Now, on to today's episode. Hello and welcome to another Financial Heartbeat Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about one of the more timely concerns that we have found the general public has, especially that Mike has heard uh, from his clients specifically, which is the tax conundrum. You know, the the new tax laws were were rather confusing for a lot of people, and I think people had some uh, unrealistic expectations on what was going to happen, both positively and negatively, and super cool today that Mike's going to walk us through some of this stuff. So Mike, welcome to the show, and where are well, we at with all this, man? Well, first off, I mean, I'm sure, Matt, you just filed your taxes on a postcard. Oh, yeah. that was the goal. Yeah, yeah. The goal was just to file it in a postcard. So you could do it in a half sheet of paper. Remember, Tammy Becker talked about that in our other podcast that we did with her, my a great accountant up the street from me. But bottom line is, is that what's funny about that is, yeah, you can do it on a half a sheet of paper, but then you have like seven schedules that go with it. <laughs> I can tell you my tax return looks a lot thicker this year than it did last year. So I'm not really sure where the half a piece of paper came from first. So that's the first conundrum is it's simpler and it should be less, but it seems to be more. Well, and, and that's, that's the, you know, Mike, if you can ever figure out how to convince the powers that be that, you know, it should be a couple of check boxes and we're done with our taxes, that'd be flipping awesome. That'd be awesome. But but here's what I'm finding. And literally, I have talked to hundreds of my clients, plus many of my colleagues. I've also been on the phone with probably 20 to 30 local accountants in the last month as everybody's finishing their tax returns for 2018. And, you know, what I'm seeing is in general, taxes are down. And everybody goes, but but Mike, they're not really down because I'm not getting as big of a refund. Well, that's true, Matt. You're not getting as big of a refund, but that doesn't mean your taxes are down. So again, that's another conundrum. Oh, hold on here. How how how? Uh, that doesn't seem to make sense in how you explain that. You you have to unpack that some more. Well, it's fun. I mean, here's the bottom line: when they redid the withholding tables. If you remember back at the beginning of 2018, the IRS came out with a whole new set of withholding tables with the new tax rates because in general, the taxes went down a little bit, like the 15% went to 12, the 25% went to 22%. But the other thing that they did is they said, we want to give as much money back to people as we can. So they got them to be much tighter than they used to be. So bottom line is maybe, and and here's an example of what one of my clients said to me. He's like, I got $85 more per month. Well, you figure $85 more per month times 26, you know, that's a decent amount of money. But bottom line is, is that, you know, it's over two grand. Hmm. But he got 85 more a week, Matt, (laughs) you know. 85 more a week didn't seem like much and it doesn't by what happens by the third paycheck. Yeah. You already, yeah, yeah, you've absorbed it and you think it's just normal. Right. Yeah. So bottom line is, is when he didn't get his $2,500 refund or $3,000 refund, like he and she always got, guess what? They thought they paid more taxes. So what we actually did is we took their 2018 tax return and we looked at their 2017 tax return 
and they paid about eight nine hundred dollars less in taxes. Hmm. But they thought they paid significantly more because they didn't get a refund. Now, is this is this uh, common across the board between uh, income fi- levels? I'm finding this a ton, pretty much in all income levels. Holy and Moses! As the income levels go up, I'm actually finding in those cases a lot of times because people weren't able to get as many deductions. They actually are paying a tad bit more in taxes. Yes, they're getting the benefit that the tax rate went down, but depending on where their income is at, they're also not having as many deductions as they've had in the past because, yes, they get the standard 24000 but they don't get to maneuver and they don't get to write some things off that they used to get to write off before, so they're actually paying a tad bit more in taxes. But bottom line is, is this conundrum is what I'm saying is that people, especially a lot of my clients have used the tax return, I think wrongly, but they use it as a forced savings map. Right. You know, what they want to do is they want to say, you know, I want that big refund, that refund, this client I'm thinking of, they use their refund every year for their summer cabin, (laughs) you know, up north. So they take that, you know, they put their money in, they give the government the money, they get their check back and boom, the money's right there to go to their cabin. And so bottom line is, is that, and we talked with our clients a year ago saying, hey, if you know, this is the time to maybe set some money aside, set up an account so that we can be ready. You know, but a lot of clients are like, well, you know, it's not that much money. Well, that much money times 20, 85 times 26 ends up being a pretty good chunk of change. The forced saving aspect of it, you there are other ways that that people really do need to be more involved. Instead of giving the government the money, there are right. other things they can do. And, and I want you to, to start with that, but there are some new things that people aren't aware of. So can you pivot um, after you answer the question about what, what they should actually do with that $85 a week? Let's, let's talk about some of the neat things that are new uh, that a lot of people didn't pay attention to because there was so much noise. Well, uh, you know, First off, how to do deal with the $85, just set up a systematic withdrawal. You know, a lot of our companies, we even have some companies that have no front, no backs, no charges, even just go to a bank and just every paycheck, every two weeks or twice a month, take that $85 and just put it into a savings account so that you have the use of it instead of, of the government. Now, I've had some clients, which I strongly don't recommend, you know, some clients not, you know, are going in and changing their exemptions, Matt, so that they're going to have more money taken out by the government. So the government will hold the money. But again, I don't think that's the best way to go. You need to set up your own systematic investment plan. You need to set it up. You need to control it. And plus, you know, you can get a little bit of interest. So do you want to give the government the interest, Matt, or do you want the interest? Well, I want the interest. <laughs> I'm sorry. That took me a second to, to calculate that because that seemed like such a weird question. But that's a right. great question. I mean, do you like giving the government a loan? I mean, that's what I tell clients all the time. When you're giving the government a really big refund, what are you doing? In essence, you're loaning the government money. You don't want to do that. You want to pay the government as little as possible. The government actually did you a favor by giving you more of your money back when they changed the withholdings. It's just what we all or the vast majority of us didn't do is we didn't take action to save that money that they had given us. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 
I mean, so so again, that's the conundrum. I keep going back to the conundrum. I like that word. I love it's that cool, word. That's a good word, Mike. Uh, but but it really is because it's like, hmm, why is it going this way? But it's really this way, mm-hmm. and it just t- forces you to have to take some action. Now, there's other things that are out there that are really impacting taxes. First and foremost, the $10,000 limit for state and local taxes. Now, I have a colleague of mine who works in Massachusetts. Well, I mean, out there, they're livid about this, Matt, because, you know, I mean, heck, you can have a $100,000 house, I think, and be over 10000 you cool. know, for the state taxes and the property taxes and all that. I mean, they have a tax for a tax. My sister who lives in New York. I mean, I'm amazed at how much they pay in taxes. Well, guess what? Even though they're married, their maximum deduction now is $10,000. My sister did pay a lot more in taxes because that really hurt her because she no longer was able to take more out. Even though she and her husband could get a $24,000 standard deduction, bottom line is they lost a lot more because of all the deductions that they lost. So that's really been been tough too, Matt. And I'm sure you've talked to people all over the country. You've heard that from other people, too. I have. I absolutely have. You know, the other thing that I've heard uh, is the 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 uh, charitable deduction aspect and the health insurance. Why don't you talk about that? Well, the health savings account, to me, is is really, really cool. The first thing that you should do is find out if your plan is eligible or not. And if your plan is eligible for an HSA, that should be the first thing you fund all the time. And again... Talk to your tax advisor, talk to your health insurance person. But why I like the HSA, Matt, is potentially you will never pay tax on that money. So not only will you get the deduction, right? So you get the deduction. So if you put in $7,000, that comes right off of your, your income. But then if you pay a medical bill, guess what? And you pay that bill direct, you don't ever have to pay taxes on that money. If you wait till after 65, you can pay your supplement premiums. There's all kinds of things you can do with that money. And as long as you use them for a qualified medical expense, the health savings account is the best new tool. In fact, people were shocked. You know, people would call me up, Matt, and say, Mike, I need to lower my taxes and I only have so many dollars and my accountant says I should put the money in an HSA or I should put it in an IRA. Which one would you recommend? And as the financial advisor where I don't sell health savings accounts, Matt, which one would you think I would respond? Well, the IRA. Right. I never did. I always said <laughs> because the health savings account, you you know, you potentially can get tax not and, and compliance is going to listen, so I need to be careful. It isn't tax-free. It's tax advantage because of the fact that you potentially will never have to pay taxes on those dollars when you take them out as long as they're used for a qualified expense. And I should preface all of this that you should always talk to your tax advisor and your accountant. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, how we should team up and work together to do that. But bottom line is, and I think this is really important, is that health savings account has to become – just a huge part of your roadmap. The other thing is, you know, again, with the Affordable Care Act, which was has been an issue for the last few years, the problem with that is, and while there's a lot of positives on the Affordable Care Act, one of the negatives is how the premiums are calculated. Because if you make just a little too much money, you go from paying very little to a lot like overnight. And again, so you have to be so careful with your income to make sure that your income is right so you don't have to pay too much. So that's a little crazy too, Matt. So that whole health insurance piece of this equation has really become important. 
But I absolutely love the health savings account. And it's something, especially my small business owners, I'm talking to all of them saying, we need to look at your plan. We need to see if it's available for an HSA because health savings accounts are awesome. And they really can not only help you pay your medical bills in the most tax advantaged way, they also, which I think is very cool, you know, give you a, a deduction that isn't subject to the 24000 And there aren't many of those out there, especially, let's say, if one person is covered under a retirement plan, but the health insurance has an HSA. I mean, it's just really a neat, neat thing. So it, it's a great tool that everyone should be looking into. So what, what, what else should people be thinking about? Well, the charitable deductions, too, is tough. I mean, you talked a little bit about it. One of the things that I'm going to talk a ton about with my clients, and at some point in time, we're going to talk about, you know, um, charitable remainder trusts. We're going to talk a little bit about donor advised funds. But if you are 70 and a half, you must, in my opinion, must, must, must pay any charitable places, you know, your church, the Y, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, the Boys and Curls Club, the United Way. Any qualified charity, you should pay directly out of your IRA. Because the beauty of that is, especially if you're not able to hit the $24,000 you know, deduction, Matt, or not, and there it's not 24, it's actually 26.6, because once you hit age 65, you get an extra $1,300 each, if you're married, of a standard deduction. Isn't that great? So you have $26,600 that you have to get up to before you're able to write it off. Well, the neat thing about the RMD rule, so you have to be over seven and a half to do this, is that if you pay that charity direct, guess what? You never have to declare it as income. It doesn't count as a deduction, but since you never paid income on it, again, it's taking money out of that account almost for free. One other interesting sort of side note while we're on IRAs is if after you're gone, you're considering giving some money to a charity, like at death, and you have both IRA-type accounts, qualified accounts, and non-qualified accounts, in today's situation, in most cases, and again, always talk to your attorney and your tax uh, person, in general, I recommend using the IRA for the charitable deduction or the charity gift and allowing the non-qualified money to go to your heirs because the non-qualified money in most cases will get a step up in value. So the cool thing is they don't end up having to pay tax and the charity doesn't pay tax on the IRA. So again, it's just a little nuance, but it's something you really need to think about. And that's where this is getting so, so detailed orientated that if you make some tweaks, you really can save yourself some money and save your heirs some money. Wow, that, that you just covered a huge amount of ground there. And you are going to spend some time on later podcasts talking about the charitable remainder unit trusts and all of those sorts of things, because those are wildly applicable to a lot of the, the tax stuff. Now, now, just to touch on that before we move on, have any of those laws, did any of that stuff get massively changed with the new tax laws? And, and then we, we'll dive into that on a later podcast. Yeah, not a ton that I'm aware of. Okay. I mean, again, that's when we get into those, that's where you really have to have that good financial team. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do a CRT, a charitable remainder trust, we need to find a top, top tier attorney and we need a top tier trust company. You know, because you really need to have people that do it right. Because the bad thing is, if you do it wrong, <laughs> that's not a good situation. The IRS has lots of fun then. 
and that's cruel. They might listen to this, so I should be nice. <laughs> um, I mean, the IRS is going to come in and do their job, and if it's not done right, it, you know, it's you, you've got to make sure it's right. So you got to make sure you dot your eyes and cross your T's on those. Right. Uh, the donor advised funds are really becoming popular and are, are a neat way to go. In fact, I'm actually been looking at potentially doing one myself hmm. because I just think it's a, a neat way to be able to put some money away and then, you know, to be able to structure it, especially with how these new crazy rules work where you have to stack your deductions. All right. Do you mind just taking a moment to dive a little bit more into the different kinds of retirement planning type stuff, the the sure. Roth, the 401k, the traditional IRA, would you mind? Oh, no. Well, again, I mean, how I look at the Roth and the traditional and, and you know, Eve said it great to a client today when we were talking about it is, you know, first and foremost, do you want to lower your taxes today or do you want to pay less taxes in the future? That's the difference between a Roth and a traditional IRA. With a traditional IRA, you lower your taxes today, but when you take the money out, guess what? The government's going to get its cut. With a Roth IRA, you don't get a tax benefit today, but when you take the money out, at least in principle, you should be able to get the federal taxes, you know, the money out federally tax-free. That's the same with a 401k, you know, the part that goes in on a on an after-tax basis, you will get out, you know, tax-free. If you put it in pre-tax and save taxes today, you're going to pay taxes. You know, one of the strategies we do with a ton of people, we we do it, we did it a lot in the last couple of weeks as the tax season started to come to a close, is we would do one spouse with a traditional IRA and one with a Roth. So we would have both tools because once you're retired, the neat thing is if you have the Roth and all of a sudden, oh, my God, I want to go on a, an Alaskan cruise and it's going to be $15,000 and I don't want any credit card debt. I just want it gone. Mike, send me a check. Well, if I have to send it to you out of your IRA, I mm. might have to take 20 out to get the 15. Right. The neat thing with the Roth is I just send you 15. We call it good. You pay a little bit of state tax and we all sing Kumbaya and you get to go catch salmon. <laughs> Bottom line is, is that, you know, that's the big difference. And so to me, there's places for both. Again, a couple of my rules. Um, I was just talking to one of my clients, 401k. We do work with 401ks. I administer. I don't administer them, but I'm the advisor on the plan. And as I said, you know, if you're young and you're in that 10 or 12% tax bracket, we have no discussion. Pay the tax. As you get older, as you have less time than the traditional 401k, you know, if you're at a 25% tax bracket, Matt, it's pretty hard for me not to say, take the tax break. Sure. Uh, and, and, and so every situation is different. And that's why it's so important to work with your tax. You know, it's so important to work with your tax person and ask good questions so you know what the right thing to do is. Now, that's for the individual. Now, for the business, there are all kinds of neat things out there. If you're a business owner and you're listening to this and you're saying, geez, I just want to put more money away than my 5,500 or 6,500, now actually 6,000 and 7,000, because this last year, Matt, in 2019, we actually can put more money away. Hmm. Uh, so it's $6,000 now and $7,000 for mature folks like me that are over 50. I used to call it the old person bonus, but now that I'm 50, I call it the mature bonus person. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you can tell I've been doing this a long time. But bottom line is, is that, you know, if you want to do more than that, there's a great tool called the simple IRA. 
it is one of the few things in life that truly is simple in the IRS code. You know, as a company, you just have to commit to matching a 3% client match. So if a client, if, if you have, let's say, um, $500,000 of payroll, the most that it would cost you is $15,000 if every person put in and wanted to get 3% match. I've seen a ton of studies that say, yes, health insurance is the number one thing, but the number two thing is retirement and a simple IRA is great. A self-employed pension plan can also work. It works great for a self-employed person. You can put up to 20 to 25% of your your um, net income into it. But if you have employees, whatever you put in percentage-wise for you, you have to put in for your employee. The single 401k is another great tool. And then also we do do 401ks. And if you do a safe harbor, and again, there's no way I could get into this here, but maybe down the road we will. Um, If you do a safe harbor 401k, there are some really cool things that you can do where you can really take care of your folks and your employees, but on the other hand, also really beneficial to the owners. So the key, again, is to have a plan and to sit down and really look at what's the objective of this plan and then how will it work for me. What can I do today? So let's wrap up today's podcast by by talking about some of the things that you recommend for clients who've already done their taxes for this year. What can they do to make it so that, one, they have a better, more realistic understanding of their taxes? And number two, you know, what can they do to either reduce their overall tax burden or take advantage of some of these programs? Well, I think the first thing that you really need to do is take out your 2018 tax return and look at it and see, you know, how close was I to being a bracket lower? And those are questions you may want to ask your tax preparer. But what we're going to be doing with our clients is we're actually going to be, you know, I'm sending a letter out and I'm in the process of finishing it. We'll be going out to all of our clients and we're going to offer, and I'll offer to anyone listening to this, that you can come in, bring us your tax return. We are not tax preparers, but we can look at it. And what we'll do is we'll actually help you put questions together to ask your tax preparer. Now, maybe I can answer the questions, but on the other hand, you know, we can put together some questions and say, you know, does it make sense, right? Now, I'm in a traditional 401k. Would it make sense to do a Roth? What happens if I go up to this level? Where is the, how much money do I have to put in so I'm in a lower tax bracket? Things like that. We'll look and see, do you have an HSA? Are you fully funding the HSA? You know, do you work for the government? Can you do a 403B? Can you do a 457 plan? And then we're also going to talk to our clients about, okay, you were surprised that you didn't get such a big refund. Maybe we should set up a a monthly plan, whether we set it up so that it automatically goes into a bank account, not like your checking, but maybe just a savings account at your bank, or maybe you want to set something up through our office. We have some options for that too. We're happy to sit down. There's never a cost for someone to come in and meet with us, and it would be just our tax review. So, you know, I would love to have that opportunity to sit down with you. Just give our office a call at 782-1642. You can talk to Julie. You can talk to Eve. And, heck, I even pick up the phone a whole bunch of the times, too. We're more than happy to talk to you and say, hey, you know, here's some ideas that you have, and, and this is what we would recommend you do. Mike, thank you so much for walking us through this uh, magnificently complex conundrum. Yes, I, I still love the word conundrum. <laughs> and it is truly a conundrum. Yeah. And remember, you know, if you really want to know 
what your taxes are. Pull out your 17 and pull out your 18 and see which was bigger. Awesome. All right, Mike. Well, uh, you know, we're going to continue to unpack a lot of this stuff when it comes to just taxes and overall really good planning for you if you're an individual or if you're a business owner. And if you are a business owner or an individual and you want to do this, please make sure that you reach out. Uh, we got the phone number in the show notes. And of course, you can just basically Google Mike Klauke's name and he will show up immediately uh, because he actually has a fantastic website uh, that you can also get some really good information. To. So, Mike, uh, once again, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time Mike comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you know somebody who really needs this information and could use it, all you have to do is click the share button and make sure your friends and family get to hear the podcast, too. So for everybody at Clocky Investments, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to the Financial Heartbeat Podcast with Mike Clowkey. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. If you have questions for Mike, please call him at 608-782-1642. Visit his website at www.clowkeyfinancial.com or stop in for a visit at 635 2nd Avenue South on Alaska, Wisconsin, 54650. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc., Clowkey Investments and Insurance does not give legal or tax advice. Clowkey Investments and Insurance and Securities America, Inc. are separate entities.